Welcome in. It's the Holy Grail BCJ podcast on BearcatJournal.com. I'm Chad Brendel, and we have a special guest this week. I'll get to that in a moment. First off, this podcast brought to you by the Holy Grail. We will be announcing our next watch party very soon. I would highly recommend you come check it out. Great food, lots of beverages, a wall of premium craft beer selections on tap. All the mixed drinks you could ever ask for. And of course, during game specials on buckets of domestic beer. Kelly went with me on Sunday for the UConn watch party. She's got a new favorite. She tried the Reuben wontons and declared that that was what she would be getting every time we go back to the Holy Grail from here on out. So give them a try. Everybody join us. Thank you, as I mentioned on the emergency podcast on Monday. Thank you to everybody for coming out Sunday. The place was absolutely packed. And that is why people do business with Bearcat Journal. And we've got another, another local establishment that slid into the DMs last night. Maybe wanting to do some business with BCJ. I'll keep you updated on that going forward. But now. The anatomy of a coaching search. <laughs> I am joined by none other than Justin Williams from The Athletic. And uh, we have a lot to talk about, Justin. How you doing, buddy? I'm doing great. I am. I'm, I'm happy to be here. I'm happy for neither of us to be knee deep in a coaching coaching search, even though yes. it, it looked like it was heading that way. I appreciate you. As always, I appreciate you having me on. How about that? We we got to cover a coaching search without covering a coaching search one time here in Cincinnati. It's refreshing. It was remarkable. Certainly, certainly better than the alternative. Uh, well, see, you're you're new. Like you you had <laughs> all I know is coaching searches. Yeah, as we've talked about. <clears throat> you you got the McCronin search in your first. You you've been what? You're about a year and a half on the beat. Yeah, August of 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 2018 is when it was officially the UC beat had. Mick Cronin leave, had an AD leave, and I, I told you, like, if, if Fick would have left, I think I would have just had to quit. I, I brought some bad juice <laughs> if, if uh, left, so. Let's, let's get into it. So I'll, I'll take everybody into the lives of Justin and I. <laughs> Last Tuesday, what was that? The Fourth. Fourth, yeah. Paint the picture for him. <laughs> Last Tuesday, Justin and I are uh, we're at basketball media, and and we wrap everything up and check our phones for the last time and exit from the media room inside Fifth Third Arena. We take the short walk to the Varsity Village Garage. What would you estimate that walk to take, Justin? Three minutes? Yeah, I mean, if that, especially you know once once you actually exit the arena from where we were yeah. at, you're here outside for fifty steps maybe. We, we didn't run into anyone, so we weren't delayed at all, which happens sometimes. Mm-hmm. We we get to the parking lot. I got prime parking on this particular day. Parked at the front of the garage, right across from Luke Fickle. Right across from his SUV. Accurate. We say our goodbyes. You walk to your car. I walk to my car. I assume you do the same thing I do. I, I don't. I, I try my best not to uh, to to be on my phone while I'm driving. Mm-hmm. So before I start driving, I check my phone, and in that two and a half to three minute walk, I have received eight text messages. I don't know how many you got. 
it was everything. It was text. It was slacks. It was, <laughs> you know, any possible way of, of getting in touch with me. There was so, something there. So I actually just leave my, I had started my car. <laughs> I, I get out car running and just, I didn't even know where you parked. I was just aimlessly wandering through the parking garage, trying to catch you. Sure enough, you got out at the same time and started walking towards me. And uh, then we spent the next 45 minutes in the parking garage looking at each other and going, well, we can't leave. That that doesn't, like, if we leave, something's going to happen. We need, we need to be on campus right now. Right. As, as the announcement was made that Mark D'Antonio had retired. We just, we couldn't be in the car. We either right. had to be, yeah, that's what it was. Our phones were blowing up because as we're walking back, D'Antonio retirement <laughs> news hits. And we can't be like driving in that period. So we have to basically make the decision of what do we do. And out of that came us just kind of standing in a parking garage for a long time. Probably didn't seem strange at all to all the people that were walking in the parking <laughs> garage. Just two men. We, we, had, we had nestled onto the back wall uh, at the end of the parking garage toward the exit. And we're just standing there, both of us, not really talking much. Because we're both on our phones just trying to figure out quickly what is going on and and basically everybody at that point in time like this was to most everyone this was a complete surprise that mark d'antonio was going to retire the day before signing day correct and then we get a brief glimpse of luke fickle as you mentioned in your story today he had to go pick up his daughter (laughs) and we were in the middle of a conversation with something else someone else Fickle gets in his car and just looks at us like, what are you two doing? I mean, seriously, business as usual. <laughs> Everyone else in the greater Clifton area, you know, they understand what D'Antonio retiring meant. And Luke Fickle's just swinging his keys and whistling to himself and, you know, Not going, going about his day. Nope. Just got to go pick his daughter up from volleyball practice or basketball practice or whatever it is that she was doing. He, he engages us for a second, but we don't really get – a whole lot out of him other than, you know, he's, while not completely surprised, I do think the timing took him very much off guard because a day before signing day, I could see where that would that would make you a little uncomfortable, a little agitated that, that you were being put in a very difficult situation because he clearly knew Michigan State job comes open. My name is going to be, you know, talked about a lot here in the next couple of days. Yeah, I mean, it's. I think it's fair to say he didn't. He, it's not like he ran and tried to duck us or anything. It's. It's not like he, you know, invited us over to the house for a potluck either. Uh, gave us pretty much the normal amount of time he would. Didn't. Didn't seem off about anything. And yeah, he did not say this to us, but uh, you know, I. I think through some reporting, we both learned that he probably had an idea this was a possibility. Uh, that D'Antonio was retiring. And he even said on the radio a couple of days later that he, him and D'Antonio are good friends. They talk a lot. Uh, and I think whether D'Antonio said this to him or not, I think it's fair to assume that he realized if D'Antonio retires, his name's going to be somewhat in that conversation for the job. But yeah, I, 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 th- I can agree with you that I don't think what he expected was what 12 hours, 14, 15 hours before signing day really starts popping off. This is going to happen. And, and at that point, Justin, and, and we can talk about it now because, you know, we're, we're in hindsight here. At that point, he had already received commitments from Jaden Thompson, from Marquez Bell, from D.R.A. McDonald. 
the guys that were all going to be announced the next day had already given, you know, they hadn't made their announcements yet. It would come from um, Thompson shortly after, which was a bit of a surprise. I thought he was going to wait until signing day. Yeah, that um, evening, right, is yeah, when he put it out there? Like two hours, two or three hours after we left the parking garage. <laughs> so for him, I mean, that puts a coach in a bad spot. You're, you're, you know, you're, you're, you're home almost in having a top 40 national class being the number one G five school being the number one school in the American, you know, putting together a class that, that has never been done in Cincinnati before. And this pops up, like I can get where there was a little, like what, what's going on here? What, where did this come from? The, the timing of these things is never really, there's never a good time. It's hard to think of a worse possible time. You know, people talk about how either after conference championships games or, you know, bowl games or whatever, that this stuff always kind of tends to leak out. But for the coach himself and what he's trying to do, maybe not a worse time than the day before signing day. You know, when you have a really good class coming in that you're trying to finalize and then you're going to get talked about for a school that you're going to have no control whatsoever over their recruiting. Yeah. Uh, now, obviously, he knew some of those Michigan State kids because there was a couple, you know, he had recruited, but... He stole some Michigan State kids, right? He, well, he got they were they were they were very early to offer Evan Prater. They were very much in the mix for Justin Wadley. Um, quite a few Sam, guys, Sammy Anderson. Sammy Anderson. They were very much in the mix for. So yeah, they they had crossed paths on the recruiting trail, and um, Cincinnati had won quite a few of those battles. Now, then things Tuesday night go pretty quiet. Which is not really a surprise because, as we've seen and, and as everybody started to learn, you know, this week again, he doesn't say anything during these processes. Mm -mm. Luke Fickle is, he goes into a bunker. You are not getting a comment from him in any way, shape, or form. I, I did, you know, get him to talk a little bit about recruiting as we were heading up to signing day and we were, I was sending him the text messages I he complains about uh, press conferences. <laughs> I did get him to respond to that a little bit, but when it came to, you know, what what's going to happen, he was completely uh, walled off or, or was in the process of, of walling himself off. Um, and then we get to Wednesday, and, and Wednesday was kind of almost like we'll talk about it tomorrow or, or yeah. we'll, we'll move forward tomorrow, but today we've got work to finish. And Wednesday was kind of the, almost nothing really happening on the, the coaching search front because it was just a matter of the staff was all on board and, and trying to get this class decided. There there was that was the ESPNU radio. Yeah, that was though. that was. And, if you know, I think we can say this like we didn't have any kind of formal thing set up for for signing day, but kind of the understanding at the time heading into it was like. You know, if you guys want to get some quotes from Fick about all this, we'll, we'll find day. a time. Yeah, on signing day, we'll 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 find a way to do it. And then this stuff kind of popped off. And again, it was never like uh, we're shutting this down because Fickle's going to Michigan State, but it was just like things changed, and I think we all kind of understood that. But then he does still go and do this ESPNU radio, and and it was a long one, and they talked a lot about recruiting in Cincinnati. But I think basically the first question he got asked was, "Hey, your name's attached. You know, your people are already signing your check to go to Michigan State," and he's having to address that in the midst of the best recruiting class in the history of UC football. 
Justin, as you reported in your uh, your piece today on the Athletic, that that ESPNU interview was scheduled a week out. Mm-hmm. Um, so they they that wasn't something that like they were getting preferential treatment that the local media wasn't. It was just a matter of they had. I think it was like, damn it, we forgot. <laughs> I'm, honestly, I'm kind of impressed. Fickle did it. You know, he yeah. could have easily been like, I know they're going to ask me this. I don't want to do it. And and so you know, I, he knew it was coming, but I give him props. So that that was pretty much it through through Wednesday. Um, I anticipated. We knew Thursday that he had the uh, the the speaking engagement at Saint X for their Hall of Fame uh, ceremony, and then that Friday he was going to go to the coaches convention uh, mm-hmm. in Columbus. I had anticipated that's when an interview would happen, or at least something, right? I mean, it just it, look if Mike you, Tressel was there, yeah, like, it, it, would, it was it was easy to make something happen, even if it was kind of like hush hush. My understanding was that was initially the plan. And then at some point, Michigan State decided that they they needed more time. Um, that's That to me seems really weird. Like if he's your number one guy, I don't get what you're waiting on. But for whatever reason, that was scrapped and pushed back to Sunday. Yeah, I know you and Dave talked about it kind of immediately afterwards, but you're you're right. That that was one of the first in many kind of curious decisions that were made on the Michigan State side of things throughout this whole process. Yeah, and and then with the 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 flight tracker stuff gets popping off, um, and we see the plane go to to Colorado and then out to San Jose and then mm-hmm. and then back to Cincinnati. We assume Tucker was interviewed. I never got that fully confirmed. I don't know if you did or not. No, I mean, and it's kind of the same. Now it so, seems pretty obvious that he did. They must have talked to him, you know. So that that was Friday night when they were or Friday during the day when they went to Colorado, and same thing. I don't, you know, I know that Robert Sala put put out that he turned down an interview, but that would have come after the plane had landed in San Jose. So right. you know, did they actually do kind of an interview? And instead of saying he took his name out of consideration. He just, I don't, I don't know exactly. I don't know how those went down, but it can't be a coincidence that the plane, which we know Bill Beekman was on because Brandon Seho catches him coming off the plane Saturday night. That same plane went to Colorado right outside of Boulder, went to San Jose right outside of the 49er stadium in Santa Clara. Like that, that, that wasn't just a quick little trip before they headed into Lunkin. Sorry. I'm a, uh... I'm getting word that we might be seeing red here sometime in the very near future. Oh my gosh. Breaking news on the podcast. Breaking news on the podcast. I can't say yet because there's a, a well, but yeah, there's a decent chance this is going to go out before it's actually made public. But I think here any minute now we should be seeing red on Twitter, um, which means the cookie monster will be making an appearance. <laughs> And everyone's head might explode. They've been that you know they got all that build up and excitement. Then it died down a little bit. Now there's a commitment. Everybody's going to get fired up again. So um, that takes us through through Friday for the most part. And at this point, Justin, it's interesting because we were both getting fairly similar information. You were a lot more pessimistic than than I was at times. Um, I actually think looking back, 
I probably should have been more aggressive towards he was leaning towards staying. Um, but we kind of both like you talked me off the ledge on he was going to stay a little bit. I talked you off the ledge on he was going to leave a little bit. And we both kind of continued to just meet in the middle on. I don't think anybody really knows what's going to happen until after Michigan State gets to town and interviews him. Yeah, I would say up until the actual interview, it's definitely fair. I was leaning he would leave. You were leaning he would stay. And, you know, to be fair, that was just kind of like us looking at the situation. It's not like, yeah. you know, Fickle knew then or anyone was telling us, like, I just talked to him. He said this. That was us kind of reading the tea leaves and, and weighing everything. And, yeah, I think, that, I think that's fair. My usual sunny disposition, you know, <laughs> I, I always lean towards the positive. <laughs> But you know, all right. So we should say though, we're we're having these talks. Everyone's having the. We're trying to talk to our own sources and get a sense. In the middle of this, though, you know, I, I wrote a little bit about this. You were following this the whole time. There's like reports popping up from different places. Oh, here it's done. Five years, and you know, we would check in with our sources. And I know at least one time I was like, someone's telling me this is done, and they're like, he hasn't even talked to him yet. Right. And that's, you know, we, uh, you've, you've talked about this plenty, but it's just funny to think about in retrospect, knowing what we know now, where all these different things are coming from. Uh, I, I covered it, but I, I, I have concluded. And I think it's interesting because none of the, the same insiders that claim to know everything during the Luke Vickle search had any clue that Colorado had circled back and was about to announce the hire of Mel Tucker. Right. Which so, which broke at one thirty Eastern time AM Eastern time on Wednesday morning. That that does tell me most of those people didn't know a damn thing about anything. Because if you were that connected and you had that much information on Luke Fickle, then you should have known Mel Tucker was being you know was 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 back in play. None of those people had any of that information, so I think that is a good sign into um. And and honestly, like, this is what, and we I think we talked about this uh, after Mick left. That is the most difficult part of these processes. Mm-hmm. It's not, like, gathering info, and, and, and you can disagree with me on this one if you want. Gathering info on this wasn't easy by any stretch, but it was info that I was always comfortable in, like, letting lead me into where as to where things stood this wasn't really a, a tough one to get a hold on because it, the the info was pretty simple he's torn he's going to consider michigan state he's going to, to do the interview and see what they have to say and then he's going to sit down with his family and the people close to him and he's going to make a decision and that's exactly how it played out but having to chase down the, the deal's done five years 35 million or um, there's a, a group chat with former players that says that Luke Fickle's leaving or, you know, all of this stuff that that's the part that's annoying from our perspective. Yeah. And I, you know, I think you're right. And, and it's, uh, I think, I guess I knew this before it was much clearer going into it. It's so easy to jump the gun Yeah. when, when, when someone else is saying, Hey, it's done. Then you're like, well, what am I missing? You know, I don't, I don't. Maybe I'm not going to be first on this, but I don't want to be last. But I kept having to remind myself, and I'm sure you felt the same way. You know, when the trust the people that you know right. who are telling you things. Don't trust someone you don't know whose credentials, you know, could could be anything. Who are talking to people you don't know who are saying stuff. They're saying something different than the people you know and trust. You should probably stick with the people you know and trust. And the people we knew and trust turned out to be right on the money the entire time. 
So yep. it, it worked out right. And, and, and that's, you know, how, how we do things, why we do things, uh, the way that we do things is because you build a trust in the people that you're speaking with. You build a trust in the people that, you know, you think are going to have the proper information and you just rely on that. And it's still weird though, man. Even, even if I get like, it's a, it's a quote unquote done deal. One of the cheesiest phrases in media. <laughs> it's, it's, it's a done deal. Like I'm still, you know how long it would take me to run with. It's a done deal. Right. Just because I, I would bug the crap out of everyone I know when we get to that point, like, okay, this is happening. And to just kind of treat it willy nilly was like, you know what it was, Justin? It was a school that, that has Tom Izzo has been their football coach for, or basketball coach for a hundred years. Mm-hmm. And Mark D'Antonio had been their football coach for 13 years. There's a lot of people that haven't covered a coaching search. Me, it's a school that hasn't yeah. done a coaching search of this magnitude, obviously me on the other hand, I've seen some things. <laughs> I've been around some things. No stranger to the the UC football coaching search, huh? No, no, no stranger. Um, so I, I do think I, I, it's interesting how different that perspective is because you just you learn if you're if you're trying to be first, you're probably gonna you're probably gonna be in a bad place. Um, so then. The airplane lands on Saturday. Great job to Brandon Seho. Although he did, Brandon Seho kind of screwed himself on Saturday night. He, he gave away the game a little bit. <laughs> because what happened is nobody was expecting him to be there on Saturday. So, Which props to him for being there. Yeah, props to him for being there. It's cold. It's it's not fun to sit in an airport parking lot. On a Saturday on night. On a Saturday night. Um, so he gets the shot of their AD coming off the plane. Um, but that alerts everyone to the fact that Brandon is probably going to return on Sunday to try to get the exit shot. So that's why there was a fuel tanker that was parked right in front of the plane with just enough space for the SUV to drop the passengers off and get in the plane with the fuel tanker positioned exactly where the shot would be. And that's what Mm -hmm. created Shoegate. Which, <laughs> so 28 to 18, UC takes a 10 point lead. We're at the Holy Grail. The place is packed. Everybody's having a great time. UC goes up by 10 in stores, nine in a row against the Huskies. And it's looking like the Bearcats are going to cruise. I get a call from Sahel. <laughs> Chad, I'm standing here. They blocked my view with this stupid gas tanker. But there's two people that that weren't here getting off the plane that are here getting on the plane. One of them is in heels, and the other one is in tennis shoes with black golf pants. Now, I don't know if you know much about this situation, uh, but Luke Fickle generally wears tennis shoes and golf pants, and his wife very regularly wears heels. Especially if you're in the company of you right. know people who are interviewing you for a job. So at that point, it's like, ah, oh, crap. Here we go. We're gonna we're gonna have to deal with the coaching search. So I'm I'm talking to Brandon. You and I are bouncing back and forth. We're both 
frantically trying to contact our sources who at the time are, are, are you know, well, I, I haven't heard anything because the interview had literally just ended. So of course mm -hmm. nobody had really heard anything. And then pretty quickly after that, I got a text from somebody who, who I trust would know that said the fickles are not on that plane. Well, before you jump to that, let's not leave out an important part, which ended up being nothing. But at some point over the night, Saturday night, they had changed the flight manifest right. to be going to state college, Pennsylvania, where Penn state is. And people were kind of trying to figure out what that was. And then when these mysterious pairs of feet show up getting on the plane, that changes and they're going back to East Lansing. So some people are wondering, well, if they were going to go do another interview and now they're not going to do that, does that mean that's Luke Fickle? Right. It turns out whether they were ever going to go to state college or whether it was just a red herring, I'm still not totally sure. But that just added to the kind of unknown aspect of all of this. Very much so. So that, that's it was easy to jump to conclusions Mm -hmm. on that side of things because the the flight to Penn State was canceled. There's these two pair of shoes that, that look like it, it very well could be Fickle and his wife. They're going straight back to East Lansing. Are, are they taking Luke with them? Which seemed weird because he hadn't he hadn't talked to the team. Um, that would, would not have seemed uh, likely that he would have left without at least conversing with his team. Um, hadn't talked to anyone as yeah, far as we could tell. Yeah, hadn't talked to anyone as far as we could tell. And then the flight leaves. I get the confirmation that he's not on the plane, or at least the the information that he's you know he's not on the plane. Um, and then you get word shortly thereafter. They just calmly went to church. <laughs> the the fate and the 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 history of UC football in the balance, and it's a Sunday, so of course. The Fickle family has to, even with a with the job interview in the morning, the Fickle family's got to get to mass before before any any rash decisions are made. Justin, it is it is on brand. I'll say it's funny to think about everything going on at that moment. The UC basketball thing is going on, so you know people whether they're us kind of reporting on it or just fans, everyone's trying to pay attention to that. Then this this airport thing happens. The whole Michigan State and UC fans looking for pictures of Luke Fickle and Amy Fickle's shoes online. That's going on. You know, I know Michigan state reporters are all racing to the airport in Lansing to be there. And so it's, it's pandemonium. Some of it is rational. Some of it is completely whack job irrational. And while all that's going on, the Fickles go to church. And I forgot, I walked back in from the initial, uh, the feet are on the, the, the feet getting on the plane, the shoes getting on the plane. And UConn's winning. <laughs> so, look, man, we've been in Cincinnati a long time. There is nothing more you see than everything is going good until Luke Fickle gets on the plane. Everything simultaneously at the exact same time falls apart in the basketball game. And it ends up being just a disastrous day for Cincinnati. Right. Oh, Tony, Tony Pike said the same thing to me this morning. He was like, I, as the game started to go that way and all this was happening, he was like, I was sure it was fickle because that's what happens. Yeah. I mean, it was, it Justin, it, you couldn't, well, it was a Keith Williams dunk that put them up 10. I know Keith scored to put them up 10. It was a three or a dunk or I couldn't really tell you anything that happened in that basketball game. Are you there, tweeting as we're doing this? this I, I am. I am. <laughs> The Cookie Monster's out, Justin. 
The Cookie Monster is out. Um, so it just felt like all of a sudden, like like karma had shifted, and Luke Fickle was going to leave. The Bearcats were going to lose, and it was just going to be another disastrous Sunday in the history of Cincinnati sports. But it didn't certainly, happen. Didn't oh, happen. Well. Certainly looked that way. The basketball team lost, so that just furthered, you know, the the narrative. And then things go pretty quiet. Uh, the, the Fickle family goes to church. We both get our our work done uh, concerning the basketball game. Luckily, I was smart. I knew I wasn't going to be able to get any work done on Sunday. So I had Brent uh, write the post game article for us. Because it, it just, it had that feeling of once that interview was done, and, and I promise people that, I, there's been a lot of people accusing me of hedging on saying it was 50-50 the whole time. You will confirm, it was pretty much 50-50 the entire time, up until shortly after the interview process. Yeah, or at least in terms of what us and everyone else knew. What, right. what Luke Fickle felt in his heart the whole time, I don't know. Uh, maybe he'll tell us someday. Maybe he won't. But in terms of just what you know, people who were close to him or people who were part of this kind of whole situation, you know, there there wasn't an answer. And so I think fifty fifty was was the smart thing to say because it definitely wasn't done one direction or the other. Like I said, I was hearing more often than not he's staying, or he's leaning towards staying. Not that he's staying, but that he was leaning towards staying. I only kind of put that out there once. Um, just because I, I, I didn't feel confident in the fact that the interview might not change things. You know what I mean? Like that's, mm -hmm. it's like the, the last official visit or, you know, the free agent going out on tour and ends up signing the last place that, that he, that he ends up or whatever. Um, I was still in that, that caution zone of. We still don't know, like, who knows what they're going to throw at him. Who knows how desperate they are. We found out last night how desperate they were. Um, <laughs> who knows how desperate they are. Who knows how much they're going to throw at him. And there's no way we can say definitively or even leaning towards until we figure out, you know, that, that a decision has actually been made. And for me, I didn't find that out until probably after 11 on Sunday night. And then there was the plane scheduled to go to East Lansing in the morning, which turned out to be nothing. But even after we found out, there was still this like, are we sure that he's not getting on that plane in the morning? And the answer for both of us was like, well, I'm pretty sure, but right, there's still a plane going to East Lansing at 730 in the morning. I think we are both comfortable saying at no point Sunday night did Luke Fickle call us and say like, I'm going into work. I'm staying at UC tomorrow morning. Right. And so even though everything we were hearing was kind of suggesting and going in that direction, and if we would have put it out there, we would have looked like geniuses because right. we were right. Yeah, you're right. It, it wasn't – you could not say with 100% certainty that's what was happening. And and that's – and that, but that's kind of the whole thing with – you know, you mentioned like the way you were feeling. I know one of the things that I was thinking through this whole time is I kept trying to think of precedence for this like – what's a coach in this situation that came back that, that didn't take the, the big 10 job with this money with all the ties he had. And, you know, I think what's 
unique and interesting about Fickle is he he eventually became that guy in this whole process. But that's kind of why I had such a hard time wrapping my head around him coming back, even when the things we you know I was hearing, I think you were hearing, were maybe going that way. Is I, I just had a hard time kind of feeling that was going to happen until it actually happened. Yeah, and then you wake up. He's not on the flight at 7.30. Brandon Seho once again on the scene, staking out the airport. Um, And then it was like, all right, then you report that he shows up to work in the morning, which that would have been awkward if he was planning to take the job and he's just hanging out uh, <laughs> around campus. Right. Um, so then as the morning started to progress a little bit, it really did start to feel like he's he's staying. And then it was a matter of when was Pete Thamel going to announce it? <laughs> well, it, it, you're right in that. Also, if he was going there, like because of how everything went, Michigan State would have been so desperate to leak it out immediately. Right. right. Like they might they might have just tweeted it out from the Michigan State football <laughs> account. Honestly, they might not have even tried to leak it. Sources the way sources indicate Luke Fickle has yeah. accepted the Michigan State job. Oh, and so we get him. Is that us? <laughs> <laughs> we get him showing up at work. We get nothing from the Michigan State side, and and based on also adding that with what we'd heard Sunday night, you're kind of like, all right, you know, it's it's not a quote unquote done deal, but it certainly seems like this is the case. And then nine twenty is when that that Pete Thamel tweet goes out. Has has there ever been any piece of information that was was not in need of actual vetting than Pete Thamel tweeting out Luke Fickle was staying at Cincinnati? <laughs> I'm sure you got some questions too, but I had people, you know, and, and I, I credit people for this because people have yeah. been wrong a lot of things and on wrong for people like Pete just tweeted out. Can we trust this? And yes, the yeah. answer is you can trust it. <laughs> the answer is absolutely. Um, for those not getting what we're implying, Pete Thamel and, and Luke Fickle are close. I felt better about. <laughs> Pete tweeting that than anything I've ever tweeted. In my exactly. Life. I was more certain of Luke Fickle staying because of Pete Thamel's tweet than anything I have ever reported in history. So was it, was it accurate? Yes. Yes. In fact, that's what you and I were both waiting for <laughs> was for that to happen. Um, Hey, the national guys, the, the, the national guys get the big stories, right? They, 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 Pete Thamel is Pete Thamel for a reason. Uh, us local guys just get to chase, you know, shoes underneath a, <laughs> <laughs> underneath a gas tanker but and that that pretty much that was that was it that was the conclusion of the saga that uh, we well we didn't talk about the uh the the inner circle meeting on sunday i, I don't know who exactly was there but the, there apparently uh when it came time to make a decision there was a meeting at the fickle's house with the fickle inner circle um i could probably guess who all was there uh, but it sounded like that was the the final uh, discussion decision point, and shortly after that, Luke had, had decided he was going to return. Yeah, you know, and obviously I wrote about that. I still don't. I'll be honest. I don't have a total grasp of was he calling you know this group there to say this is my decision? Was he calling this group there to say? What do you think? What do you want to do? You know, were, were some of the people there people that would have been impacted by his decision either way? Um, but I think it was I, I think I can say that that happened Sunday night. He came out of that with a pretty clear understanding of what he was going to do and and it ended up being staying at Cincinnati. I mean, at that point, were you surprised at all? 
I mean, even knowing what we know, like looking back and, and, and the way things have always been for this school, still the confirmation, the, the, the complete commitment, the, the I'm staying flag planted by Luke Fickle. Did it surprise you when you saw that Thamel tweet? A little bit, and I'll tell you when it surprised me a little bit more was when I, I saw some of the numbers that Mel Tucker is going to get to be the yeah. the head coach at, at Michigan State. You know, I, I think it's important to talk about that. Luke Fickle has been very clear all along that money is not the most important thing for him. It's easy to say that, especially if you're making $2.5 million, but when someone throws $5.5 million in front of you, and again, that's just kind of basing this off of what Tucker ended up getting <laughs> – uh, I think it's pretty fair to assume he would have gotten somewhere in the five to five and a half range, plus all of the other benefits six, and perks. Six hundred or six million dollars for staff is what's mm-hmm. being reported. That's... All the Big Ten amenities that you get with all of that stuff, like it's it's one thing to say it; it's it's a whole other thing to do it. And I I think even as shocked as I was when it happened, now you're like, man, he you know whether however deep they got in, in these discussions with Fickle. He, I think, probably had a pretty good idea of what he was turning down, and it's impressive. He says, and in, in, in some part, I, I do believe this. Not only was it, and this is what he said in his interview with with Dan Horde that they released uh, through Go Bearcats. Not only was it the incoming freshman class, but I think an even bigger part was this was his first recruiting class from when he took the job that are all becoming seniors. And I think sticking around to see that through, to see those guys to the end of their career at Cincinnati, I, I think that was a big part of it too. And, and Kobe Bryant and Derek Forrest and, and Jarrell White and, and you know obviously Mike Warren left. But that first group of guys that committed to him, a lot of those guys uh, are going into their final year at Cincinnati. I think it was important for him to stay around and coach those guys. Yeah, I think so. I think you're right. And I, I think – I think that was important. I think the 2020 incoming group of kids who I think he, he feels really close to a lot of these guys and, and he feels like a lot of these guys maybe took chances on UC and on him when they had other opportunities. Um, you know, and, that, and that I, I, I think the family stuff is obviously a big picture too, but I, I think him, you know, over the weekend thinking about the guys who are there now, the guys who are coming in, um, and it not being a slam dunk because of many reasons of things going on at Michigan State and the timing and all of that. I think all that played a, a factor in his decision. All right. Um, I mean, I think that about covers it all, don't you? I think so. I'm trying to think if there's anything. The, I mean, it's it's still just funny to think about how, how the plane thing, the Monday morning plane thing, I'm still blown away. It's just what a weird coincidence that was. Yeah, I mean, who knows if anybody even like a lot of times Delta will rent those jets, um, so they could have been picking someone up in East Lansing and taking them somewhere else. Uh, I don't. I honestly don't think it had anything to do with no. It, with clearly, Fickle, but I don't think it did either because it it completed its flight plans. Like it went to East Lansing. It wasn't going to go to East Lansing if if it was for Luke Fickle and he ended up not going. Yeah, and I heard rental. some. I heard some people say that maybe they had it there just in case, but like after everything Michigan State went through, that would be a bad look. Yeah. <laughs> if it's just sitting there and he never shows up. It was just a coincidence, but that's another example of trust the people who you know who are who are telling you, you know, wh- what they feel and what they think and don't trust a random plane that just shows up on a tarmac. Yeah, I mean it's it it, it actually for both of us, it kind of stinks that 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 happened. 
Because without that, I think we might have been a little more bullish on how we handled Sunday night. Yeah, I think that's fair. I think instead of saying, I mean, and I said, you know, I think there's a there's a chance tomorrow is a very good day. Um, I put that on the message board. That was as far as I was willing to go. That was the plane, though. Like, I was, I was in the ninety percentile on Coach Fickle is staying at that point in time by about eleven thirty on Friday or Sunday night. But both of us agreed, like, until until he doesn't get on that plane. I'm not bullish on quite anything just yet. Yeah, I would have been blown away shocked if he showed up and got on that plane in the yeah. morning. But it, it was still just enough of like a weird coincidental doubt thing to, you know, because again, I, and, and I, you were out there more than I was on this. I, I give you a lot of credit. A lot of people went clearly with a lot less in, in making definitive statements. And, you know, I, I think that's a credit to you that that you weren't willing to, to, to do that, to, to kind of throw yourself out there on, on something because you weren't 100% sure. It was, it was tempting. That was the only time in the whole process I was really tempted. Cause I thought we were good. I thought we were good. I really did. But it just, what if I can't get to a hundred percent, I'm not going to do it. Mm-hmm. Even at 98%, it was still like, uh, I'm going to, I'm going to wait and see what Brandon tells me at seven 30 in the morning. <laughs> <laughs> That poor kid. I, I was not getting up and driving to the, the private jet hangar at CVG to find out at 7.30 on a Monday morning. Kid spent his whole weekend just sitting around in airports. <laughs> That's not what I would have done. He's like 26, 27. That's why he's on the fast track, right? That's right. That's why he's good at his job. Yeah. Well, um, any thoughts on, uh, before we go, Memphis comes to town tomorrow night for the Bearcats. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, with seven regular season games left. Uh, That's crazy. I, I think they got to win the next three personally, yeah. you, know, you know, just to, to kind of get into those Wichita-Houston games after that. They, they should take care of business. And Memphis is the hardest of those three, at least on paper. Yeah, and the problem with Memphis is you never know. They got good Memphis when they went down there. Uh, they got Memphis that was shooting it well from the perimeter, uh, especially early. And they got a favorable whistle, did the Tigers on the uh, missed foul call on Jaron Cumberland that led to a technical on John Brandon. Um, it, 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 I'm so fascinated by that Memphis team and like through the adversity, how hard it is to get a group of freshmen to stay together because that thing very, very well could be teetering right now on the edge of disaster. Yeah, I don't want to like overstate it or be, you know, uh, a prisoner of the moment, but doesn't it feel like in in 10 years you could do like a 30 for 30 oh, type yeah. thing on this on this Memphis season this team and all the stuff that's gone on with Wiseman and Penny and all that stuff? Yeah, I mean it it definitely would be fascinating and I'm sure at some point we will get an, an oral history of of how all this played out, but I still don't think we're we're out of the woods on hearing uh, stories from this Memphis team this year. So no, I don't think so. The, the, the way I always, and you mentioned the seven games, you, you know, for me, I judge the season on the, the, the book of parking passes. <laughs> Cause you get it. And it's a pretty hearty book. You know, you got like 20 passes in there, right? Mm-hmm. You're feeling pretty good. You got a long season ahead. 
And and you get to this point, and there's like three or four of those bad boys left, and you're like, wow. We really are almost to March Madness. It's true. So, all right, brother. Excellent job on everything. Great piece today. Uh, hope everybody enjoyed the insight into uh, kind of what our lives are like as this, this stuff happens. Um, it's never easy, is it? No, I mean, I would, I would love if maybe next couple of weeks before before tournament time hits, if if things just went nice and smooth. But I'm not going to bank on it. I mean, it, the beat has been just an absolute shit show. Sorry, Dan, it's been an absolute <laughs> shit show since you you signed up from day one. Just everything. It, it's been nonstop since you were hired. And, and here's the the thing, though, Justin, it, it was never calm before you got here. <laughs> yeah, that's, I, it's it's been good, crazy. Yeah, which is which is nice. There's been a lot to do, and I, I've joked about this before. You asked me over the summer, "Does this ever slow down?" <laughs> and, and what was my answer? No, no, it never slows down. Not once, not ever. Including the Cookie Monster is out, and we await a commitment from the Bearcats. Most of you, by the time you're listening. That will be out there. Uh, I just don't want to spoil the kids, the, the, the kids' moment by putting it at the end of this podcast. But if you want to find out more, I know Mick Walker is is currently on the case. And if you want to find out more, go to BearcatJournal.com. Thank you to all the the members, the new members that have joined on, both at BearcatJournal.com and the Athletic. Justin, yes, appreciate and I, it. Justin and I greatly appreciate your support, my friend. Thank you for taking an hour out of your day and uh, talking through the Luke Fickle turns down Michigan State saga. See you at fifth third, buddy. We'll see you tomorrow night. I'm Chad Brendel. He's Justin Williams. It's the Holy Grail BCJ podcast on BearcatJournal.com.